Actually, in a very demanding, error-free environment, you'd be surprised how much latitude there is for that sort of mentorship. And it's something that I was taught from very young age in, in uniform is that you, as you take a step forward, your first responsibility is to turn around and pull somebody into the spot that you left. And when you do that, you have to ensure that they're not only trained, prepared, but they're they're morally and mentally adaptable to the new challenge. And it's one of the things that the military demands of you. We're going to give you more responsibility than you can manage just to see if you can manage it. You're listening to OMAG All Access a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma. Hosted by OMAG's Director of Strategic Initiatives and Partnerships, Bill Tackett. Hi, I'm Bill Tackett with OMAG's All Access Podcast. We've got a very special guest today on our podcast, coming to you today from the Oklahoma Municipal League's conference in Oklahoma City. We've got a special guest with us this day, Eric Benson. Eric's... uh, Longtime city manager in the state, city manager of Enid, Oklahoma, for a long time. And then post-retirement, Eric uh, decided he was not going to succeed in retirement and has filled an interim role in more than one Oklahoma city. Eric's got a very unique background, uh, comes to city management from a non-traditional path. And so today we'll be talking to Eric on leadership. Good afternoon, Eric. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Eric, tell us about your background, how you served our country, and we appreciate your service, and then uh, how you came to be a manager in Enid, Oklahoma. Well, not that anybody cares, but you asked the question, and I'll answer it. I, I had a 30-year career of active duty in the United States Navy. I flew F-14s off aircraft carriers, and, and I commanded the, the world's largest tactical air base that belongs to the United States Navy. That's Naval Air Station, Oceana, Virginia. And interestingly enough, we had about five hotels with 5,000 residents. We had a board of governors called the Chain of Command. I had an annual budget that I had to review. Had about 150 pieces of rolling stock, a railroad, an airport, recreational system, and about 25,000 customers and their families. So it was not an unusual jump to city management with that background, although it was not my first endeavor. I followed that with a five-year career in federal government where I worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs and had the privilege of running the National Cemetery Administration. From there, I slipped uh, over to another uh, sacred position within the federal government and was the deputy director of the Selective Service System. So all that combined led me to believe that I should try a new role. <laughs> That's what brought me to Enid, Oklahoma, where we had decided to settle after those two careers and had the privilege of serving uh, the city of Enid for eight years. And frankly, I put the skills that I'd learned in, in those other jobs uh, in application by two simple things, presuming that I didn't know what I didn't know and what I didn't know was going to get me in trouble. So I needed to learn. Now, Eric, you came back to the state of Oklahoma. I did. I grew up, uh, well, my, see, the military is my family business. My dad, uh, we're several generations of career military, including my own sons. And uh, uh, I went to school at Salisaw and graduated Oklahoma State, and then 35 years later decided to come back. And so you glossed over very quickly uh, flying airplanes on and off of boats. Lots of times, I think, pilots have nicknames. Uh, did you have one? Yes. Yes, I did. And it had its origins in my degree in agriculture. I was known as Sodbuster. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, we got to be known as something, you know. Mm-hmm, that, and I, it could have been far worse. Uh, <laughs> So you went to Oklahoma State and uh, then followed your family tradition into the military. 
and uh, had a very full-service uh, military career. It sounded to me like Naval Air Station you were describing was uh, more than a pretty large uh, town in Oklahoma. It certainly is larger than many of the ones that have managed. Uh, hence, it was a great privilege uh, and a real treat for it. It was a crowning achievement to my career. I had a, a wonderful time learning about environmental assessments and uh, management of all the factors that play directly into civic management at municipal levels. So, Eric, city management is, first and foremost, I think, a leadership role in municipal government. Tell us your uh, leadership approach to organizations, to personnel, to projects. Well, you know, I think a lot of people try to make that more complicated than it is. I know that I failed my own self trying to spread it you know, too widely to capture too many net assets of leadership attributes. What I tell the, the young people that I mentor, it's, which gives me a great matter of pride to say that I've got five city managers in Oklahoma and Texas that started as interns under me. The biggest thing about leadership is something George Patton said that's always stuck with me. Be sure that you find the right people to do the jobs and then stay out of the way and let them do it. Leadership to me is the ability to make decisions, evaluate the various factors that go into the argument, be it assets or or, uh, demand or responsibilities, but then be willing to make a decision and live by it. Now, I have to believe that not every decision turns out the way that that it looked like it was going to turn out. Especially in my case. (laughs) So tell us about, you know, the fact that you have to be adaptable. You have to know what the facts are and the situation on the ground. And be you able to make a pivot? And maybe if you have an example, that would be good to hear. Well, you know, I have a couple of mentors to whom I owe a tremendous uh, debt. One of the things that they taught me was that, well, two things, actually. You have to have an internal barometer of success. And you got to have a, a moral compass that points to uh, north uh, of integrity. And if you, if you don't have those, you'll never be able to find your way through these challenges. But the thing that I, I try to tell my own folks for whom I'm responsible, both personally and professionally in their roles, is that it's okay if you make a mistake. I'm not really worried about you making a mistake. I'm more concerned about how you respond to that mistake what you do to uh, recover from it, what you do to correct it, and more importantly, how you learn from it. And I I have made so many uh, mistakes that I'm quite an expert in that. How do you recover from those? So your mentors in the military, sounds like, had some, I guess, if we were going to use some uh, non-military language, uh, showed you some grace. You don't get it right the first time when you're trying to put the airplane on top of the boat. Actually, in a very demanding error-free environment, you'd be surprised how much latitude there is for that sort of mentorship. And it's something that I was taught from very young age in, in uniform is that you, as you take a step forward, your first responsibility is to turn around and pull somebody into the spot that you left. And when you do that, you have to ensure that they're not only trained, prepared, but they're they're morally and mentally adaptable to the new challenge. And it's one of the things that the military demands of you. We're going to give you more responsibility than you can manage just to see if you can manage it. And that's the model that you used in uh, city management. It served me well. I've, uh, of course, I've I've had to interject that more than a small modicum of political imbalance and uh, that we all face, and that's that human issue that has become so uh, confused with the toxic nature of some elements of social media. Probably the biggest challenge that any of us face is, is trying to walk through that swamp of toxicity that that serves no good purpose other than to make life miserable. Yeah, Facebook isn't our friend and didn't solve all of all of our problems. My advice to those in positions is ignore it to the maximum extent. In fact, I don't. I ignore it entirely, and perhaps it to my peril. 
but I know that I'm a different man when I'm not listening to the toxic inputs of people and entities who have no insight on the issue, much less uh, anything more than, than an emotional attachment to try to stressing an idea that they formed with little or no facts. OMAG All Access would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. For your time, we would like to offer you the chance to win a pair of OMAG All Access Bluetooth headphones. To enter, all you have to do is head to www.omag.org forward slash all access and click on the corresponding image at the top of the screen. The password for each episode will change, so make sure you are always up to date on the newest episode of OMAG All Access by subscribing with your favorite podcast app. The password for this episode is leadership. Follow the directions on the giveaway page and you will be entered. Good luck. You know, the old saying, you are what you eat. You might also be what you consume. I think you're right. That's an excellent point. I've seen too many of my contemporaries be stalwart figures of tremendous character, be overwhelmed by those toxic elements. There's a time and a place for them. And we all know that it's easy to complain. It's rather difficult for whatever reason to offer compliments, which is one of the reasons that when I see good customer service, I always want to talk to the manager and pass on a compliment. So, Eric, I imagine that politics is part of every institution, including the military, but you retired, and then you retired again, then you retired again, and so... I'm I'm quite a failure. And so, so then you come to uh, city management in Enid, Oklahoma, and while council manager forms of government originated from the progressive movement back in the late 1800s as they were kind of a reaction against Jacksonian patronage, and they wanted to create a bureaucracy that was based on merit and not patronage, and out of that eventually came uh, city and county managers. Talk to the folks that are listening, the folks that, you know, might want to move up to be a city manager or maybe come from a non-traditional career path about the balance between the administrative role and the, and the political role in a council manager form of government. You know, I've only had experience with the one, but I've observed the other quite closely. And they both have merits. They both have weaknesses. Both of those elements tend to rely on the, the human involved. Uh, be be it strength or weakness. And I am quite convinced that if good people don't do these jobs, then certainly bad people will. We've all seen that. We've all experienced it. But one of the worst things you could ever say to me, and I think to a lot of my contemporaries, is I wouldn't have a job for a million dollars. That is the most disappointing thing I've ever heard from a contemporary, a citizen, a neighbor, or even a friend. You know, the, the old saying about politics being local, there's nothing more local than city management and the ability to successfully drive change in communities that, that fear it or reject it is, is quite an achievement. And you can look around anywhere in the country, right here in Oklahoma City is, is a classic example of that. And it took over two decades to deliver what everybody now presumes was their idea. But it was, it was fought along the way by a lot of folks. One of the sayings that I've stolen is from you and from an earlier video that we did uh, several years ago, that the city council is really a board of directors of a municipal corporation and that they have the same three duties and same three jobs and same three responsibilities that a board of directors of Walmart or Devon Energy have. How did you come by that insight and how did uh, you help your councils in uh, Enid understand their role? Interestingly enough, you might find this 
odd, but I'm a big student of, of others' examples. Odd in it, I don't come across as that intelligent. But I have watched others, I've listened to others, and I, I try to pay attention. And, and I'm very passionate about, perhaps this also goes back to my days of having to be extremely focused and flying on and off aircraft carriers, but you were sumps for knowledge. And I listen to and I take advantage of others' ideas. So, in short, I stole that. That notion, but it really has served me well. A wise man told it to me, and I think it's true. You have a budget, you have an obligation to your customers to provide them a dividend, you have to provide uh, cultural leadership, you have to be able to accept a change, you have to be flexible enough, uh, nimble enough to respond to unexpected circumstances. And that's what a board of directors uh, does. Uh, some do it better than others, and I, I like to follow the lead of those whose success story is uh, is apparent. Talk to us about uh, leadership and effective communication, both upward to the council and then horizontal to your peers and your colleagues and your associates uh, that work for you. Well, you know, that's that's an element that I submit that a lot of us have failed each other on more than once. I know I experienced that and, and I've watched others fail in doing so. If your leadership, be it your elected officials, don't know what you know when you know it, and you don't clearly describe that expectation to your contemporaries within your orbit, and especially your employees, you're setting yourself up for a a big uh, embarrassment at the very least, and perhaps some challenges that you can't overcome. The last thing I ever want to do is arrive at a city council meeting, and it's just like going into court. You never want to ask a question for which you don't have the answer. And if you don't have the support for that question before you enter that arena, you're, you're really taking a chance. I take tremendous effort in ensuring that that my employees know what I think, what I expect, and more importantly, what they're enabled to do. I don't like telling them what they have to do. I like to instill in them the opportunity to know what they can do. Because at my age, I got to ride in the long parade of black cars, and I've been to all the circuses. My real satisfaction now comes in grooming those who will step in my place. As I said, I I look back and pull somebody in the hole that I just left. It's very gratifying to me to see that growth in my subordinates. Uh, communication, written, verbal, talk to us about what you expect and what do you find effective? You know, I've oddly enough, one of those dinosaurs that has embraced email as a tremendous asset, but it also has its pitfalls. So you have to balance that with the, the oral word. I, I try very hard to spend time uh, every day in face-to-face exchanges with my, my key players, if not the entire staff. I, I learned long ago that if you if you just step out into that field where all those guys and gals are working hard, sweating, and doing hard stuff, and they perhaps think that you don't know what it is or how they do it, and you, you at least listen to them and want to find out what it is they need, and then you can fulfill that need. You, you have a, an amazing army of very faithful employees who will do exactly the things that they need done, and all it takes is a little interest in, in their challenges and how you can contribute to making it better. It's real simple, and that's not earth-shaking, but it is incredibly central to what I've seen in successful organizations. I, one of my mentors once told me, if you walk into the building and you don't know the name of the janitor, then you're you're failing yourself and your employees. So I know the name of my janitors. And you know the name of the uh, lady that serves us hamburgers at the Hamburger King. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't hurt to know the folks that you're going to deal with because as a central figure in the visibility in any community, they, everybody, everyone knows you. you got to make an effort to try to know as many as you can. Again, our guest today has been uh, Eric Benson. And Eric, thank you for joining us for this edition of OMAG's All Access Podcast. Well, one last statement. 
Oklahoma Municipal Assurance Group is an incredible asset in our in our state, and I have tremendous admiration for what you have helped me with in my communities and in my life personally. We hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town. You can find more information about OMAG on our website at www.omag.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic, please send them to allaccess at omag.org. On the next episode of OMAG All Access. What happens if you perceive a conflict among the clients? How does that get dealt with? You've got to have those tough conversations. When I was first hired as city attorney in Norman, that was one of the first conversations I had with our city manager is, look, I work for you, but if there's a situation where you're not wanting to do something that council has directed us to do, I'm going to side with council. That is the direction that I have to go in, you know, when representing the organization. This episode is copyright OMAG 2021 under the Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivatives International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.